wanna know how to make it in the yeah, real estate yeah, game. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. We about to put you Come up on, on game. Let's go. Yeah, yeah. Right through realness. Come on. All right, welcome to the podcast. Uh, let's just, why don't we just address the elephant in the room right now? I know, the intro music. I know what you're thinking. You're like, what? What is going on with the rental realist? Well, let me just say this. You know, the podcast has been going pretty well. I think we've got, what, five months now, four or five months. It's going really well. We're we're growing in, in listeners, and it's been kind of a cool experience, and you know, we're we're looking at the fourth quarter budget here and we have a few few funds to spend and you know, we could have went with option A, you know, upgrade the microphone, upgrade some equipment, or there was option B. We could hire an East Coast rapper and create the most legit intro music ever. Option B, please. So, in all seriousness, I don't know if it's going to stay. I I I've got kind of mixed feelings on it, so I, w- I would love to hear what the people have to say for sure. But the funny thing is, when I got this back, you know, the term put you up on game, I, I, you know, I'm not that cool. I didn't know what that was, but I'm like, oh, okay. So like, you know, if somebody has some knowledge, they share it, they're, they're putting you up on game. So now like, you know, when it's time to go to school, I tell my kids, I'm like, hey, let's go. We got to get in the car. We got to take you to school so your teachers can put you up on game. You know, my kids look at me like, you're so dumb, Dad. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I know. Kind of am. So we'll see. We'll see. Of course, I had to play it at least one episode, but we'll, we'll see. It's kind of kind of to be determined, to say the least. Now, in this episode, you know, we're going to talk about, you know, I kind of touched on this in some earlier, one of the early episodes, but, you know, some things are, are top of mind. I kind of wanted to hit on again and, and just... You know, having patience in real estate. I think patience is one of the absolute biggest keys in being successful. You got to have patience. And to have patience, you know, if, if you dig even, you know, pull back some of the layers of that, what that means is having a plan. I know I've talked on this, but I really implore any of you real estate investors, whether you're own rental properties already, or let's say you don't own rental properties and you're going to buy a rental property. You need to know what your end game looks like. I can't stress that enough. You need to visualize like, okay, what does this look like for me? You know, and let me let me give you an example. And it doesn't got to be like in absolute detail. But for example, my real estate investments, what it looks like to me is when I'm dead, you know, my kids are going to be dividing up some houses. Now, that doesn't mean that I can't change my plan. I might want to give them away. I might want to sell them for something. Who knows what what might change but that's my plan right now. And so I work backwards. So what what do my rental properties look like for me at 60 years old? Well, what it looks like to me is, you know, I'm living a good life. I'm, I've got a nice solid income. I still think I'll be working because I like to work. I enjoy it. I see the value in doing it. But it's not going to be high pressure work because I got rental income coming in that I can bank on every single month. And that's what it looks like to me. Now, what does it look like at 50 years old? So I'm 40, just you know, to kind of give you an, an idea of how I'm working backwards here. So 50 years old. Honestly, I feel like my rental properties are 
again, I think I'll still be working because I like to work, but it's going to be a different kind of work because at that point, I'm going to have the majority of my properties paid off or at least a cash flow strong enough to where I'm going to have choice. I'm going to have choices. Do I want to work? Do I not want to work? That's my plan. Um, you know, and that's what I'm working towards. So 45, what does it look like? You know, 45, I'm not touching my rental funds yet. I'm just rolling those things, paying off debt, acquiring new property. And that's kind of the, the way it works. And so with that plan, it's a very simple plan, but I have a plan and I don't get rocked off of that plan. Nothing's going to knock me off that, that, that course. Now being a property manager and, and sitting in the seat that I sit in, I have a front row view of hundreds of investors and it's kind of crazy. I, I feel like I can tell the ones that do have a plan. You can just tell just when there's problems or issues, how they handle them. And, but you'd be blown away at how many don't really have a plan or they have a plan, but they're not, it's not a firm plan. They've never really thought it through. And what I would recommend is even if you thought it through, think about it every day for a while, take some time, you know, think about it for a year. Like what, what do I want out of this property? Because I think very few people think, oh, you know, I want to own this property for three years and then I want to sell it and pocket $12,000. I don't think anybody buys a rental property with that kind of plan. But I can't tell you how many people end up doing that. And the reason they end up doing that, there's a lot of reasons, but, you know, number one, who doesn't want an extra 12 grand or 20 grand in their pocket? Everybody does. So they get enamored by some, some quick cash. Well, quick cash, I mean, how long is that 12 or 25 or even $50,000 going to last you? You know, you got you to gotta think like, okay, take the 25 now or hundreds of thousands of dollars later. You know, if you put, if you put those two choices in front, I think most people are going to take the, the hundreds of thousands down the road, but they're not thinking like that at that point. All they can think of man, this isn't what I thought it was going to be. This is kind of hard. I just had to replace an AC unit last year. I wasn't planning on that. It's making my life a little bit miserable. You know, and so they jump ship. Well, all I got to say to that is, you know, it's just like anything that we do in life. If we have a plan, you're going to stick to your plan. Even when you hit that bump in the road, even when you get knocked down, more times than not, you're going to, you're going to get up and you're going to, you're going to keep moving forward. And it's, it's the same thing in real estate. And I, I'm going to share a story right here. It's actually one of my favorite stories in real estate because it's like, I feel like I had a direct involvement in one of my clients' overall success. Now I have a client who I work for who is from California and she bought a house in 2004 for $133,000. It was kind of on the edge of town at the time. So it was a, it, the market was a little soft back then, and it was it was a little bit of a struggle. I think she was even in a negative cash flow situation for a little while there, and it was kind of hard, man. We got some rough tenants here and there, and you know turnover, and we all know what happened, you know, with the market crash. And she hit a point where she called me, and she was seriously contemplating um, selling her house. But the thing was, is she actually owed um, $8,000 more than the home was worth. And she was seriously contemplating writing an $8,000 check to the mortgage company and selling the property just so that she could get out of it. And she had told me a couple years prior that the reason she bought the home was because she feared that her children, 
you know, living in California would never have the opportunity to own a home. And so she bought a home in Arizona to be able to help them at some point down the road, be able to purchase property in California. And so her, her goal was really honorable and like a, she had a plan. She had an end game. And even with that plan, she almost got knocked off course because it was kind of hard for a little while there. Well, I did my best to talk her out of it. I'm a firm believer in real estate. I'm like, I just, man, it would just pain me to see somebody actually cut an $8,000 check to let go of an asset that they had already owned for like seven, seven to eight years at the time. And I wrote her an email and I basically said, look, this is where your house was. This is where it is now. I predict that things are going to continue to get better. You know, you just, you got to hang in there. I just can't, I can't sit here on the sidelines and watch you pay money to get rid of this house. I can't do it. And she ultimately decided to keep the house. And the reason I'm bringing this up now is this house just became vacant. I still manage it. And, you know, at the time, I mean, there was a time, I think we were getting like eight, 875 rents in the low point. You know, we just rented this thing for 1300 bucks a month. And so now she's she's in a strong positive cash flow and she's owned this thing for 15 years now. So, you know, she's she's in such a phenomenal position and the home is worth $240,000 now. So, I mean, 8 years ago, she was willing to cut an $8,000 check to let it go. And she literally made herself an extra $100,000 by hanging in there and an extra eight years of, of a tenant paying her mortgage. And so that's one of those stories that I'm just like, man, if you just, you've got to stay patient. Uh, even my own house, I was reviewing some of my emails and my notes. My, my The first house that I bought, I think I've brought this up in previous episodes as well. I bought my house for $133,000. And I went to refinance it in 2011. So this is eight years ago, May of 2011. And at the time I owed, I don't know, probably around $100,000. And I was trying to refi it in, you know, just to get a better, I had a second on, I was trying to combine them, you know, to get a better rate, whatever. And we got an appraisal on it. And the appraisal came back for sixty thousand dollars even 60 grand eight years ago you know i owed a hundred thousand dollars on it and i i didn't agree with the appraisal but that's what it appraised for they're literally home selling in my neighborhood for around sixty thousand dollars and man that sucked that really really sucked that was less than half of what i bought that house for you know but it's it's crazy like it pissed me off because i couldn't accomplish what I wanted to accomplish as far as the refi. But like at not one point in time did I think, well, time to jump ship. This isn't this isn't what I signed up for. Like I, I just knew I'm like, well, whatever. I, I'm still gonna pay this stupid thing off and it's it's gonna be my rental. It's it's gonna be a pass a source of passive income. That was my plan. So I'm just like whatever. I'll keep paying the loans and I'll deal with it. Well that house today is also worth two hundred and forty thousand dollars. So eight years ago, 60 grand. Now it's worth 240. I can't tell you how many clients and people I saw jump ship on their real estate because they just couldn't handle the fact that the value went down, that they owed a little bit more than it was worth. And man, patience. You've just got to deploy patience when you're dealing with, with real estate. 
There's no, there's literally no other way to do it, in my opinion, is, is real estate is an absolute patience game. And if you are patient, you will win in the end. I just, I've yet to see a scenario where somebody held on to property for a long period of time and lost. I've yet to see that scenario. If you have one, I'd like to see it because I, I think there are few and far between and there's probably some outside circumstances that that dictate that. Another one of my clients, um, you know, he bought a fourplex in 2004 as well and he paid $210,000 for this fourplex. And, you know, it was a tough complex. He struggled the in the in the downturn. Uh, this complex was probably like 50% vacant at one point. I mean, it was bad. It was really, really bad. And he, I felt so bad for him. And he fought through it. And um, in 2016, he let me know that, hey, I'm, I'm going to sell this. And I'm like, I'm like, Leo, I'm like, you, you can't, you can't sell it now. Like you, you fought all the way back. And he's like, you know, I just, I, I'm, I'm to a point where I can get out. And he sold it for $175,000. He didn't make any money, but he just, he was able to just get out of it. And he was happy. Like I'm, he's literally happy as could be that he got out of it. Well, Leo accidentally called me the other day and he went to talk to me. I'm like, Hey, what's up, Leo? And he's like, is this Tyson? I'm like, yeah, this is Tyson. He's like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm calling the wrong Tyson. I have an insurance agent named Tyson. I'm like, oh, okay. Sorry about that, Leo. How's everything going? Oh, it's uh, it's, it's going good, you know? And then we hang up. And I'm sitting there, and I can't help but to, to think, man, I just, you know, Leo had to have thought about his fourplex that he sold three years ago. He was so happy to unload. And that fourplex sold six months ago for $340,000. Literally doubled in three years. It's like, man, that pains me, man. It pains me to see a guy like that who, you know, he didn't, he didn't see his plan through. He lost sight of why he bought that thing. He lost his way and he bailed out, you know, and I, you know, I, I, I don't share that. Anybody who's, who's close to me and knows me knows that I recently ran a marathon uh, Saint jo- in St. George, Utah. Now, I don't say that to brag or like, hey, look at me, because that's kind of a douchebag thing to do, and, and that's that's not why I did it. Um, you know, I, I'm a sucker for a good challenge. I like to push myself a little bit, and I, I need those kind of challenges to keep myself motivated. You know, and, and so I... You know, I, and and those who really know me know that I freaking hate running. Like I hate it. I see people running on the side of the road and I feel bad for them because I know how bad it sucks, you know, but I set a goal to do that. And, you know, and just, just to kind of, just to kind of reemphasize how much I'm not a runner. When I told my wife that I was going to run a marathon, like she literally like laughed out loud, you know, I was like, (laughs) that's funny, you know, and and just the way I work, I'm like, all right, that's it. Now I'm doing it, you know. Uh, Got to prove her wrong, right? So, you know, I'm training for this marathon, and and it's hard. You know, there's there's times where, like, you know, I'd, I'd get injured, and I'd think, well, that's it. I'm done. But, you know, I set a goal, and, uh, you know, I'd, as soon as I start feeling better and I get over that hump, I'd, you know, start my training again and whatnot. And, 
man, it's a lot like real estate. It really is because it's not easy, but there's a big reward at the end. And then when you actually run the actual race, you know, there's times where I felt really good and I'm like, you know, mile 11, I'm like, man, this is amazing. I want to do this every year. I should sign up for this every year. This is absolutely awesome. And then even at mile 17, I'm like, man, I'm still feeling pretty good. Like, this is me. I'm texting my wife while I'm running. I'm like, my calf feels good. I'm feeling awesome. You know, this is great. Taking pictures. Then I hit mile 21 and my calf like feels like it's going to blow up on me. It like I, I can run a little bit of ways and then it just starts. I start feeling this like intense pain where it almost feels like it's about to cramp up and I don't know what it's going to do. So it scares me and I back off and I walk for like a minute and then I start to run again and I'm doing this off and on. Right. And I'm like, you know, I, I could quit, you know, cause this hurts and I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm like, you know, screw that. You know, I just trained. I did all this work. I'm crossing that finish line. I'm getting the runner high of crossing that finish line. Like nothing's going to stop me. And it, it, it's crazy. And you know, you, I saw it through and I end up crossing that finish line and there's so many parallels to like life and how running that race like that compares, but man, it, it really does like compare to real estate. It's, it's hard. There's parts where you want to bail, but like, no, man, you got a goal. And then when, but when you hit that goal, you're so grateful that you didn't bail out, you know, and I can't, I can't even tell you how grateful I am that, that I, that I saw it through, you know, and it's, it's the same in real estate. Now, like when you believe in real estate, like, like I believe, you know, like I know nothing's going to shake me, but man, I'm just trying to get my clients and other real estate investors to get that belief. Yeah. And you just got to get that belief of I'm doing, there's a purpose behind this. I'm seeing this through hell or high water. I'm seeing it through so you can come out the other side and get all the benefits. Make a plan. Visualize. Visualize from the end. Work your way back. What does it look like? What? And if you don't know, that's cool. Like, think about it. Like, think about it every day. Set 10 minutes aside and just sit there and think, like, what do I want this to look like? And if and if it's like, you know what? I, I, I want to sell it in five years because I want this money to go buy my dream home. Or do something like that. That's cool. Everybody, you know, different strokes for different folks. I, I appreciate that. You know, what what is awesome to me might not be awesome to you. And I respect that. But what I just can't help to think, I just, all my clients who've sold, you know, prematurely because they just got enamored by, by a little chunk of money. I, I just can't help to think like that. That's not why you started this journey. But, you, but you're taking it. Don't get seduced by 15 grand. Don't get seduced by $50,000. 50000 doesn't mean jack over the big picture. You got to think bigger than that. You got to think bigger than that. You want each asset to produce hundreds of thousands of dollars. And when you start stacking those assets, when you have multiple assets, we're not talking about 20 grand, 50 grand, or even hundreds of thousands of dollars. Now we're, now we're talking millions. And that's, to me, what it's all about. All right, that's going to do it for this episode. As always, thanks for taking a listen. And I've never asked you guys to do this, but uh, you know, if you're if you're enjoying what we're putting out there and you're a regular listener, you know, give us a rating and a review on iTunes. It would be greatly appreciated. It's cool to log in and see that every once in a while. So, again, thank you and we will see you on the next one. 
how to make it in the yeah, real estate yeah, game. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. We about to put you Come up on, on game.